Real Life SEO with Catherine Watier-Ong. This week, Real Life SEO continues with Catherine Watier-Ong. We were lucky to get the chance to sit down and chat with Catherine recently. She has an impressive background with over 18 years of experience in the SEO industry. She also started her own nonprofit organization at the age of 16, is the founder of a boutique search consultancy specializing in science-based organizations, and is also the host of her own podcast, the Digital Marketing Victories Podcast. We spoke about everything from her start in digital marketing to how she's jump-started a lot of other people's careers along the way. Let's get started. Welcome to another episode of our Real Life SEO podcast, our series that aims to share what SEO specialists do in their day-to-day work. Today, we get the chance to talk to Catherine Watier-Ong, who is the founder and chief strategist at WO Strategies. Thanks for joining us today, Catherine. Great. Thanks for having me. Amazing pronunciation of my maiden name. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> That's only happened like Working five in times in my life. So. <laughs> Working in France, I think I have a, a bit of a leg up, I hope at least, after 15 <laughs> years of being here. So before we get started, can you introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about your background. Sure. Yeah. So um, I run an agency called WO Strategies, um, focused on ensuring that good science is found in Google. So primarily work with health and science enterprise-sized sites. Um, I've been doing SEO for 18 years. Prior to starting my own business, I built out the online marketing and analytics team at Ketchum PR, um, supporting their clients globally. So I've worked with a wide variety of crazy brands. Um, <laughs> and um, yeah, I actually got my start uh, in doing marketing when I was 13, when I planned my first conference. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a young start. I, and you've been doing I was a very active youngster. <laughs> and you've been doing that ever since. Did you know that's always what you wanted to do? Uh, yes, actually. So I was very, um, so I, Planned my first conference when I was 13, but then I started a nonprofit when I was 16. Um, and we got grant funding and we were speakers at the first international youth environmental summit. And anyway, I was very fascinated with persuasion in general. I'm still fascinated with persuasion. That's what my um my podcast is all about. The digital marketing victories podcast is all about how do you persuade people? Um, so yeah, that's basically marketing. So yeah, from a very young age, I've known that marketing is for me. For a while there, I thought it was PR. <laughs> but right. then I realized that, no, see, it's, when you're a 4-H'er, you actually learn how to build out a strategic plan. Mm -hmm. You're involved with the strategic planning of 4-H at the national level. So okay. I was doing SWOT analysis when I was 16, weirdly. Yeah. <laughs> I was not so, doing that at 16. <laughs> I know, right? So it's really a part of my DNA, it turns out. Um, and that's definitely marketing. That's not PR. Um, so okay. yeah, that's me. <laughs> and since then you've acquired quite a lot of experience in the industry doing digital marketing. Um, in particular, you were VP of social media, online strategy, marketing insights. You've done online marketing consulting. The list goes on. Um, was it a big jump to move from digital marketing kind of to SEO? No, it's just weird that it took me so long to find it. So um, I grew up in rural Maine. Uh, and mm -hmm. when I was 13, my mom gave us a Commodore 64. 
I don't know particularly why, but she thought it might entertain us when we're bored in the winter. Um, so we like hand coded. I don't know if it was like basic or C++, who knows? We have this like coding book and you couldn't save anything. So you had to like type everything perfectly for pages and pages and pages. And then if you did it accurately, the thing would meow, which was very exciting <laughs> back when I was 13. So um, anyway, and then fast forward to college, I just lucked out that they had a build your own uh, build your own website class in 94. So I took that. Mm -hmm. um, so I got on the internet early and I wasn't scared of coding, though it turns out in general, I'm kind of bad at it. So a developer's life is not for me. <laughs> um, right. But anyway, okay. I was not scared of the technology piece. And then I was doing the marketing. So I had like two <laughs> things going there, right? With the content, whatever. Um, but it wasn't until I was at the Points of Light Foundation. So I, I had done like technically SEO, but on like a 12 page WordPress kind of thing, which is pretty simple. But then at the Points mm -hmm. of Light Foundation, they had a home built CMS system. It's like enterprise level size. And I was really focused on selling it as director marketing and sales. So I had a sales quota um, and just creating the basic marketing I needed for sales. So I wasn't really thinking about the online marketing piece. But then one day the CFO came in and said, we have fallen off of Google. Why have we fallen off of Google? And I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> but I did say, um, you know, send me to Search Engine Strategy Chicago, which had a nonprofit track. This is like dating me because the show isn't around anymore. Um, and I will figure it out. And so I went to one of their audit sessions. They don't do these anymore either, which is a bummer. But like 200 people in the room who wants to have their website looked at. I'm like, first up. <laughs> and they're like, well, there's this file called a robot text file. And you've told Googlebot to go away. OK. <laughs> Write that down. <laughs> and they're like, and you're redirecting in two or three different ways. And one of the ways is why porn sites redirect. OK. <laughs> oh. OK. <laughs> anyway, so I just, I, you know, it's a crash course for a week. I was like, I this is the time I have to create a plan to fix this. So uh, yeah, I just used that week to do, after the sessions were over, I was building my plan. And so yeah, went back to the office and had a plan. And the interesting part about the plan is that um, I was selling to these folks managing volunteer centers. Most of the time they were like right out of retirement women mm -hmm. or maybe right on the cusp of retirement kind of demographic. <laughs> Okay. And they had a website that the thing, you know, they they get their own website. But then the opportunities, the whole like, I want to volunteer at X volunteer sh shelter kind of thing, that was coming from a nonprofit that was approved mm -hmm. by the volunteer center. I could not touch that content. So like the landing pages I needed to optimize were two levels away from me. So I got my start training grandmothers on SEO. <laughs> <laughs> and it That's worked. It, it worked. Some of them really like, took my training materials and they took it to heart and we stopped having volunteer docent opportunities. Instead, we had museum tour guide opportunities, right? So, yeah. But anyway, that's how I got my start in SEO. And then I got hooked. I was like, this is totally for me. And you've been doing it ever since. <laughs> ever since. What? Except for that little stint at Ketchum, they were worried that my an SEO title would scare the PR kids. So they gave okay. me a VP of social media title. And it took me a couple okay. years to get it changed. But you were still doing SEO while you were? Oh, yeah. And then media. they threw social media projects at me. So I was actually doing a, a social media, too. Okay. Do you still do any social yeah. media work? I do. I do um, some YouTube. I'm actually helping some clients with some organic Twitter, ironically, right before Twitter flames out. But um, <laughs> but that's what I was doing last month with organic Twitter strategy. Um, but but yeah, so yeah, I, I do, still do some organic social, not necessarily the paid side. But yeah, when I was hired at Ketchum, I was the first 
digital marketing person they had hired globally. So for almost a year, it was me for all digital marketing and all analytics questions globally. Well, wow, that's a lot. And they had like 12 offices in China. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> it was just me. My schedule was awful. <laughs> I'm assuming you built a team to help. I did eventually, yeah. So they brought me on board because I helped them win the business promoting electronic health records for HHS. I wrote the digital okay. strategy portion of that. Um, and so we needed a team to, because we managed all the handles for HHS, plus the entire social and paid strategy for healthit.gov and built out the mm -hmm. website from scratch. And so, yeah, my team was primarily doing that for three years, um, but then obviously doing other stuff. Because the team at uh, the max was only nine um, and still nine for everyone globally kind of thing. So, you know, still plenty of work there. Right. And from there, what motivated you to start your own company? And it's kind of a twofold question. Why did you choose to focus on science-based organizations? So I joined Ketchum not because I had some dream of joining a big PR firm. I was actually tracking down my what became my boss at Ketchum. So I met Tim Weinheimer okay. when I was speaking at an American Marketing Association event. He came up and he's like, oh, we should stay connected, right? And um, I chatted with him and I was like, this he's got great soft skills and I really needed help with my soft skills. I was like, mm -hmm. I want to work for him. I just really want him to be my boss. So I interviewed with him somewhere else. The job sucked, still liked him. And then he moves over to catch him. And he's like, at the time I was working full time. He's like, Hey, are you still moonlighting? And I said, yeah. He's like, you want to come over and help me brainstorm? I'm like, dude, I'm going to get paid to brainstorm. Yeah, that sounds great. <laughs> um, but anyway, then he's like, Hey, I'm drowning and I'm supposed to write this, you know, proposal. I mean, it's a government proposal too. It's big and complicated. He's like, can you just write the digital strategy portion of it? And there you go. So it's funny when I met the head of the DC office, she's like, why do you want to join Ketchum? And I, this is where the New England bluntness come in. I bluntly said, I'm actually not joining because of Ketchum. I'm joining because of Tim Weinheimer. So as long as Tim's my boss, I'm here. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> anyway, because most kids, it's like a dream job to be at Ketchum. And I was like, eh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Tim moved to Austin with his husband. And then there mm -hmm. was like all this rumbling about, well, you need somebody who's your boss, who's in DC, even though I was working on clients, you know, across the country with different offices. Um, so it's just very clearly my time to go. Also, I came off of maternity leave and mm -hmm. the hours were just insane. And the first child is not a great sleeper still. Um, though we mm -hmm. got a little reprieve there for a while because she, now she's eight, right? Um, but anyway, the first years were gnarly. Long time without sleep. <laughs> Yeah. So um, it was just easier. So I started looking around for other jobs, but I've only had entrepreneur jobs. Obviously, mm -hmm. I just told you I started a nonprofit. Anyway, I've only had entrepreneur jobs. Like we have no idea what we're doing. We want you to come in and build a team. We want you to come in and figure it out from scratch. Cool. I'm great at that, but it's exhausting and it's a lot of hours and it's insane because it takes you a while to build a team. And I was like, I can't do this again. <laughs> um, so yeah, the doing my own thing was frankly just easier um, okay. and more fun because at Ketchum, you know, they, they're they like, you are going to work with X client for the most part, whether you like the okay. client or not. And it's a big PR firm. They work with all sorts of clients. You know, like I worked on the modern Russia business, which is the Russian <laughs> Federation when Medvedev was in charge. And that mm -hmm. was a little iffy. Not too bad. And then I had a hot moment of like working with the pink slime, like the hamburger grossness that they feed kids in the cafeteria. Anyway, there were a few that were like, hmm, 
mm. so now I get to pick right. my own clients. Um, okay. And the reason I ended up doing science stuff is that the nonprofit that I founded was called the Rainforest Challenge. It was all about saving mm -hmm. the tropical rainforest for climate change reasons. Um, right. So I've been a little bit of a science geek for a while, but then I catch them because of the health IT gov stuff and the, just the clients at the DC office. I worked on a lot of health and a lot of science clients. Um, and then off on my own, I was like, hey, look, it's a more retrospective. I was like, look at all the ones I've collected and the ones I really like. And I'm like, I really like working with these science folks because one, good science is not guaranteed to be in Google. Mm -hmm. I think it should be. I think there's a problem with science education in general, globally. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think these folks need help. I'm like very passionate. Mind you, got more passionate with the current pandemic, but I'm like, science needs to be found in Google. These folks need help. Um, also, I've worked with like three different federal agencies and that stuff's not guaranteed to be in Google either. That stuff can mm -hmm. definitely, unfortunately, not be found. And I started taxpayer dollars at work for good science, whether it's like right. the state of the fishing industry for the, you know, particular type of salmon or, you know, cancer information about liver cancer. I mean, whatever it is, it's good stuff and it should be found in Google. Anyway, right. so that's why I'm passionate about it. Okay. And just a little side, you said you're currently based in DC. I, I am. I'm, I'm in McLean, Virginia. Strictly asking out of curiosity because I'm also from the DC area. So yeah. I'm always interested. Well, and I landed here because um, I went to a very rural uh, undergrad in Western Massachusetts. And I lived in a rural spot growing up. And so I really thought, okay, I'm going to have to get to a city. And I had visited DC because unfortunately, they don't have it anymore because of the pandemic, which is really sad. But for almost 100 years, 4-H used to have a campus in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Mm -hmm. So I had been okay. to the campus. Um, like you could live there. It was like a conference center. Um, okay. Anyway, so it was like my home away from home. And so coming to D.C. really felt like a soft landing. Also, they used to have internships where they pay you. So you'd get room and board because you could live there. Those cafeterias mm -hmm. mo mostly open. Also, there was a kitchen in the place you were living in. And they paid you. So it was a very easy way to get to the DC area. Um, but I didn't realize I was gonna be here this long. <laughs> I was really thinking I would go somewhere else. I have dreams of San Diego. Um, but then <laughs> but then I met my husband and he plays music at the White House. So uh, we're here. Okay, so yeah, yeah. That's, that's not gonna move. So I think no, we're there for a while. No, we gotta wait for him to retire. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and your position as chief strategist for WO Strategies, what does that consist of? Um, well, so I'm mostly a solo consultancy with just a few subcontractors. Um, so it's really just me. I get to run the business, market the business, but then as a chief strategist, I'm also the one working with the clients to create the strategy. I have an odd approach where I'm not an agency that like takes over your SEO. It's just not my yeah. philosophy. I think there's not right. enough SEOs in the world. I think SEO should be owned internally. I end up working with these big enterprise organizations like National Cancer Institute who have never done SEO before. And they have, first of all, their website's like half a million pages. Secondly, they have, at, when I started working with them, they have 150 subdomains run by different departments on different CMS platforms. Okay. Right. <laughs> How are you ever going to herd that level of cats externally? <laughs> Just like yeah, honest, expression. right? You need someone internally to like change the culture, right? Um, so it's just a default of mine. I, you know, when I was at Ketchum, we hired two, two people that had experience, seven directly out of college with no experience. 
they're all working in digital marketing now. I'm so proud of them. One is um, heading up YouTube music for Google. <laughs> oh, nice. I mean, they're, they're, like four of them are Google. Um, one for a while was heading up brand for Reddit. One was at Twitter. I mean, mm -hmm. anyway, they're very successful. Um, but yeah, I, I like helping grow careers. So even with my two brig uh, academic journals that I'm working with, both of them have about 7 million things and like 2 million indexable. And one has 35 million backlinks. The other one had 150 million historical backlinks when we migrated them. Like those folks need to know technical SEO. I'm sorry, but they just do because they have to ticket things on a regular basis. They're on a platform where things shift under their feet as monthly things get pushed out. So anyway, both of them I trained on technical SEO and one crawls with Screaming Frog in the cloud on her own and tickets stuff without me. Okay, that's great. It's awesome. I think that's a it's credit awesome. to your training abilities and being able to you know, pick the right people that you can train and help mold. Yeah, so my, my, so my strategist is like, the, I help set this, I do obviously do an assessment and then I help set the strategy and we put the reporting in place because all these folks don't have any of that or it's the reporting has issues as usual. Um, and so you set all that up, but then the other real big piece of it is like, I will help implement, but it's with the goal of you don't need me at some point mm -hmm. or you need me a lot less. Yeah. And some of that might mean that I'm also helping you build the culture. I'm helping you with job description. I'm helping you recruit SEO folks for your team, that kind of stuff. It's an odd model because it means I'm looking for new clients somewhat regularly. Um, mm -hmm. But I actually do want people to not need me at some point because then I get to trade okay. stuff any new. Right, that's true. <laughs> and from what I've read also, you your specializations include SEO audits, traffic drop assessments, um, internal SEO capacity building. What is your process for doing con conducting audits and those kind of assessments? Do you have a particular process or does it change for every client? Um, it changes a decent amount depending on the client only because at the moment, I have two local clients, which I don't, usually don't have. But one client came back after seven years, which is great. He's a nice, really nice person. And the other one is like, when I met him, I was like, oh my God, this is the nicest person I've met in five years. And he definitely needs marketing help. And I really just want to help him because <laughs> he's just so nice. Um, anyway, so with local, it's obviously different. You're just doing different stuff. So the audit and assessment is different. The map stuff really matters, right? Um, and the citations and the whatever. You know, it's a whole different list of stuff. And then um, with the larger sites, so the academic journals, they have, they're on a Google Scholar platform. So there's this whole set of requirements for Scholar that you need mm -hmm. to make sure you're still meeting, but also making sure you're appearing in Google search, big Google. So yeah, there's a different set of stuff. And then one of them has a podcast, which you can optimize the you know, and also sort of a little bit of video. So we can do some YouTube optimization and video optimization um, mm -hmm. with the feds, like fisheries both had both a pretty active video stuff going on, but not very well organized too. So there's obviously an opportunity on the video and especially with the fish. I mean, it was just like, there's a huge opportunity there. Um, mm -hmm. But then also they had a journal. They also had um, multiple subdomains that got migrated in. So it's like a different challenge, you know, just different. Right. So yeah it sort of depends on the client. I have it, you know, I, like everybody else, I have a standard checklist that I use. I have a standard set of way of looking at competitors. My audits okay. are pretty broad because I always add in the video element for almost mm -hmm. every client because video is growing, obviously, 
and mm -hmm. YouTube videos, except for fisheries. Everybody else, it's a YouTube video and Google search, right? So mm -hmm. I just think it's also the second largest search engine globally. I just think it's a missed opportunity for people to be doing video. Um, right. But then also, you know, I'm a 360 digital marker. So for National Cancer Institute, for instance, I'm like, what are you doing with email? Not that I'm a crazy email expert, but you know, when I was in house, I did email. And I'm like, you should not rely on people finding you in Google search every single time. Get them onto an email list. Are you segmenting? Because <laughs> I, I don't care about liver cancer information if I have breast cancer. Like, duh. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> you would be surprised. <laughs> anyway, so the audit assessment is sort of different. I, I try to help them with the thing that they need help with. And do you construct your reports differently for those who don't necessarily have the same level of technical ICO knowledge? Most of my client, either, it's one of two scenarios, either the client really doesn't care about the reporting, we talk about it quickly, but it's mostly for me, um, okay. especially in the case of like this migration reporting, like it was mostly for me, um, or I'm building reports with the client that the client is going to use. In that case, they're okay. very involved in building the reporting. Okay, so then they'd have the required level of knowledge that they would need. Yeah, we hand it over. Um, yeah, all most except for these local folks who just want me to take over their SEO for them. Most of my folks are the handing over kind of type. Do you find anything particularly challenging about client work or SEO in general? Well, I mean, I work with these folks that have got a lot of red tape, which is why I do the podcast about how do you persuade people. <laughs> Uh, so, yeah. You know, it's a lot of like Government. culture change. It's a lot of like, okay, you're now going to ask somebody to do SEO as a portion of their job, but have you updated their job description? You know, um, it's a lot of like, do you have the senior leadership that's going to uh, help you? It's me selling in. Maybe the audit only had a light bit of, for instance, like the National Cancer Institute. The, it was actually sort of an audit, but it was a traffic drop assessment too up front because that's why they brought me in is they lost traffic. Um, so from there, we fixed some stuff, right? But then mm -hmm. later on, I was like, okay, now you're gonna, we fixed the obvious stuff. Now you're gonna pick your keywords, but you cover 260 different cancer types. Where do we start with that, right? Mm -hmm. And that became just as they were also doing some work, it became part of a competitive assessment. Okay, great, we're gonna do a competitive, perfect. Let's take a look at your competitors. And obviously, I can't cover 260 different cancer types with the, that level of competitive assessment. There's a lot of keywords under each of these, right? Um, right. So we pick breast cancer. And I do the assessment. And the summary was, dear National Cancer Institute, pick a different keyword. Don't, you're not going to rank for breast cancer. Because the, yeah, because my right. audits, so I take advantage of the fact that the SEO community is small. And so mm -hmm. I do an assessment where I actually try to figure out what kind of budget the other folks have. Because sometimes mm -hmm. people like to share that on uh, LinkedIn, especially when they're job searching. Uh, and even if it's dated, it gives you a benchmark, right? And then how mm -hmm. many people have SEO in their title who work there? So they were up against Healthline with a team of nine and Medical News Today with a team of 130. And WebMD, okay. who's been online since before Google and doing SEO since before Google. I mean, these are massive teams. You can find job descriptions. You know what software they're using. Even mm -hmm. if it's dated, it kind of gives you a sense, right? So you stack all that up against National Cancer Institute, who when I started with them, they had nobody doing SEO internally. Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm like, you're just behind by years, right. right? So let's just be realistic about what you're going to tackle first.
Okay. Yeah. And just out of curiosity, what word did you make? What did they choose as a keyword? Can you say that? Can you share that information? Um, I actually don't know, but because really the summary was like these keywords are too competitive. Pick something else. I know they brought mm -hmm. me on board because the um, so the the reason there was a flame under somebody's butt to bring an SEO on board was that John McCain's type particular type of brain cancer when congressional folks were searching for it, they couldn't find National Cancer Institute. Glioblastoma, mm -hmm. I believe, is the term. So perhaps that was the term they started on. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, but for them, there was actually uh, just a lot of work. Again, I lead with the technical on the enterprise level sites because sometimes they've got some good stuff that will rank without much effort. They just need to get the technical out of the way because the technical is holding them back. So for them, they had a JavaScript related tabbing structure that frankly mm -hmm. hid most of the content from Google. So fix that, even if that takes a long time in your pipeline, you're hiding stuff from Google, fix that. Mm -hmm. And then they had a, a clinical trials search function where it was just a landing page for every clinical trial. And I was like, uh, I don't care again about breast cancer if I have liver cancer, because most people usually don't have two types of cancer, though sometimes that happens. Um, mm -hmm. So we just dynamically generated landing pages for all the different cancer types based on the clinical trials. So suddenly they had all these landing pages optimized for the particular type of clinical trial. Uh, and that increased their traffic, 70% more keywords on clinical okay. trials. So some of it was just, you know, technical, like when I worked with fisheries, same thing, they had, it's like a long story about how they got there, but they ended up putting some stuff under tabs. Yes, mm -hmm. technically, it was all on the page, Google could find everything, but it was hidden underneath tabs. And so the stuff that was four tabs over was not ranking because Google doesn't like it if it's not visible on the page. Okay. So it's like, I know you spent a lot of time engineering that, but put in the queue to like re-engineer it back. <laughs> you know, you're just hiding stuff from Google. It's never going to rank. I don't know what to tell you. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And talking about results and kind of reports, can you share any results that you're particularly proud of that you've achieved? Yeah. I mean, I really had a lot of, um, I got really lucky with one of my journal clients early on in that when I did the assessment, mind you, this took me forever to figure out. And then my brother is actually a front end developer. So I totally used his brain. I was like, I am stumped on this one. Help brainstorm. Um, this is before I joined the women in tech SEO group, because I probably would have done that instead. Now, um, found somebody else right. on the group to be like, look at this code with me, what's going on. Um, but mm -hmm. it was a crawl trap based on a relative link on the site. So it created an infinite amount of folders. It was mm -hmm. just the worst type of crawl trap, right? So um, this is early on working with them and the developers hated me just because the developers frankly hated everybody, I think. <laughs> but we, <laughs> they were just, even the client had trouble with them. But anyway, um, we prioritized that one fix. Okay. And a month later, they had 30,000 more keywords ranking Google page one. Wow. They were just okay. Making it hard for Google to get to this stuff again. Like, I, I try to prioritize these sex fixes on these big enterprise sites because sometimes you find something where you're like, wow, you're just not even letting Google get to your good stuff. Let's fix that first, you know? Right. So, and then I had another one. It was very similar. It was a much smaller site. So, it was an educational startup and mm -hmm. did the audit. And I had a great relationship with my client. And so he was like, I'm going to prioritize a few fixes up front. What do you want to do? I got very limited time, but they got this little space in the queue, right? So I said, mm -hmm. let's do three things at once. Let's do an HTML site map 
let's do an XML sitemap, which they didn't have. And let's drop your homepage speed by as much as you can because it was really loading slow. So mm -hmm. we ended up dropping the homepage or they, the developers managed to drop it by 50%, put the other two mm -hmm. in place and we had 5,000 more visits in about three months just by fixing okay. the three things. Wow, that's quick, a quick turnaround. And it was Especially a startup nice. too. So it's, yeah. yeah, so it's like a really small site. Anyway, just got lucky that I was like, well, you're not doing these obvious things. Let's do those, <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> so anyway, yeah. Um, I think the other big one is probably healthit.gov only because it's a brand new baby.gov. So we had to build it up from scratch. It took mm -hmm. about over three years to get all the rankings we wanted for the top keywords. Um, but I got a chance to work with them again with my current business. They came back to help me because they redesigned without me and then they lost traffic. And anyway, so uh, they came back. But as I'm like looking back historically, because I hadn't touched them for years, right? Because I wasn't working on the project. Um, I was like, oh my God, look, we actually hit all of our top rankings there at some point. That's amazing. <laughs> but the more interesting part is that when we started, the vendors were out first. So they were talking about electronic medical records. Nobody was talking about electronic health records, except Yahoo used to have a tool where you could see geographically where people were searching, which was awesome on a particular keyword. So it was very clear that EHR was just the beltway. <laughs> EMR was the rest of the country. Um, and as part of the overall communications campaign for that, which, we, which involved a bunch of stuff, including digital, um, we actually changed the search volume. We got people searching for EHR, okay. which I think is awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I also noticed in one of your previous interviews, it mentioned that you'd lost a site due to too much traffic. Is that a, what is losing a site? Is that a good thing, a bad thing, too much traffic? Oh no, is it's bad. A... I mean, <laughs> it's happened three times in my life. <laughs> so there was, um, so beyond the fact that we blocked Google at 1-800-volunteer.org, um, the site was built without a business requirements document and wasn't built to scale. So there's all sorts of trouble. So, um, Anyway, so it's kind of a nebulous kind of site, hoping, hoping it's going to stay up. I had very interesting demos <laughs> when I was trying to sell it. I'm like, it's a blue car. I can't tell you what kind of engine it is. We're not going to click on anything during this demo, but it's a blue car. Don't you want a blue car? Anyway, because <laughs> it would always go down on me during a demo. Um, but as part of the larger Points of Light organization, and so the head of PR for overall Points of Light, without talking to me, was like, I've got a great idea. We'll get 1-800-volunteer.org mentioned on Extreme Home Makeover but not tell the 1-800-volunteer.org team this is going to happen. <laughs> so yeah, it went down. Um, but when I moved over to Environmental Working Group, um, we were working on, this was a decade ago, mind you, we were working on this report about how cell phones cause brain cancer. Um, mm -hmm. And I knew it was new information that would be relevant to almost everybody. <laughs> um, and they were just going to roll it out. And I actually got them to slow it down. I said, no, 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 I need to put together a full 360 plan. So I worked with the PR folks who had a great list of environmental orgs, but I said, no, 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 we're going to pitch different segments. So we're going to find folks in the health segment. We're going to find folks in the cell phone segment. We're find folks in the tech segment. Right. And what we did was we had, um, and of course we had on, on the website, a, um, a media room where people could grab stuff. We also had paper, we had a, a ads grant. So we had pay-per-click set up. We had the email stuff set up. We did, um, I got them to engineer the database so that each phone had a optimized meta description. So it said mm -hmm. your Nokia 6 is a high cell phone based on this whatever kind of thing. Um, and then we did embargoes. Well, these different 
verticals. Amongst that, I knew we were, we were on an outdated Drupal install. And I knew we were having trouble with the server. And I said, we need to do some load testing. And they're like, well, how much load testing do we need to do? Like, how, like how much volume do we need to throw at it? I don't know. <laughs> like, it's hard to estimate. Like, I, mm -hmm. I don't know who's going to cover it. Nobody's searching for it yet because it's new. But I think mm -hmm. we're not testing enough. And they're like, no, we're fine. We've tested. It'll be fine. Okay, so the embargo lifted on launch day. Website's up for a second. We get right. wired, dig when it's when it was big, then could tank websites, front page dig, Yahoo Health, what? front page Yahoo, uh, New York Times, Gizmodo, and all of the affiliates. I mean, everywhere. Wow. And it yeah. took down the website for okay. four days. Wow. That's four days. Huge. <laughs> and then they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to fix it. And so I said, okay, I have a plan. I'm going to call the guy at Points of Light who saved our servers back then. So anyway, I find like, his cell phone number. I call him. He takes the call. He's on like in vacation with his family in Alaska on a boat. Mm -hmm. He gets on the phone with me and I said, this is my problem. I need your help figuring out how to get these servers back up. And I know you've done this before. He's like, okay, put your server guy on. And he helped troubleshoot like how to get the servers back up. But it's still like nobody people wouldn't stop pummeling the site because everybody wanted the information. And so four days to get the website back up. And after that, of course, we were using Google Analytics. And so the CEO was like, how much traffic did we lose? I'm like, website wasn't loading. I can't even tell you, right. Right. sadly. So anyway, the good news, I guess, is that I discovered Scribd, which is not as helpful now as it was back then, but I put the entire report on Scribd. And we did okay. stuff on the social handles, right? So we talked to people on the stuff that could be up. So then fast forward, <laughs> and anyway, we went from 300,000 to 1.2 million the first month, even with the site being down for four days. Wow, and we okay. added thousands of people to our donation list. So I, th I think it was like, successful, but um, <laughs> I, th I think it was okay. Um, but then we, and then they eventually upgrade. Well, I don't think they upgraded the Drupal install, ironically, but they did fix their server infrastructure. Um, so then here I am at Ketchum. And I told you I did social media, right? So we're working with mm -hmm. New York State of Health, which is one of the Obamacare exchanges. And our right. role is social media promotion, organic. There's a separate team doing or, uh, social paid. And I just realized that I'm the only one on the calls as a multi-agency call that knows anything about Google Analytics. And I know they're going to report back to the feds. So I keep asking for access to the staging server. I want to make sure the code's there. Also, my social media team, I just want to know what the copy is on the website, right? So I keep asking mm -hmm. for the staging server. They keep blowing me off. Three weeks before launch, mm -hmm. they send me a pencil sketch. Uh -oh. That's all they had. I was like, oh my God, this website going to tank. <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> oh my God. So I get on the phone with the head of the New York communications department and I'm like, okay, are you sitting down? <laughs> Your website's <laughs> going to tank on launch, but don't worry, I have a plan. <laughs> <laughs> so I told her, I said, we are going to put stuff on Scribd. We're going to flip our strategy and we're going to be doing social media customer service on your handles. And I recruited a ragtag bunch of folks around Ketchum that never done this before. And I trained them on what to do. And we created a brand voice and we threw up a bunch of handles and we had desk.com to optimize questions that wasn't relying on the website. Right. And we worked with their call center and my team supported them from eight in the morning till eight o'clock at night, Monday through Friday, mirroring the call center hours and nine to mm -hmm. one on Saturday. Wow. And the website and crashed helped. on launch. As everybody knows, all the Obamacare exchanges crashed right. um, multiple times. 
<laughs> but we also had um, Hoots. It was fun. We had Hootsuite and we had Brandwatch. And so we were monitoring the conversation around New York health issues. And so we were able to stomp out rumors before they happened. We were able to find folks who wanted to give testimonials so we could do, you know, have a positive spin. Uh, and then eventually I helped recruit and train a team for them to sit at the call center and so that we weren't doing it, that their folks were doing it. So yeah, okay. so well, yeah. three websites. <laughs> but you turned it all around. I, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> but that's, that's what I mean by going down, like right. down, down, like nobody can get it and people keep hitting it and it can't get back up because it's down. <laughs> okay. Um, now I wanted to change uh, tracks a little bit. You had mentioned in one of your previous answers, you know, finding someone in the women in tech SEO community. That's actually how we linked up. Um, and I've spoken to Arij for one of our previous podcasts, and she mentioned that she created that community kind of as a way to find her people, kind of find a group that supported her and find, you know, the women within the same industry that would kind of help build up other women. And from that, I wanted to know, do you have or have you ever suffered from, you know, kind of imposter syndrome? I wouldn't say that there are less women in the industry, but probably less visible. And so it might be harder to kind of make your voice heard or feel like you're being taken seriously in the industry. Have you ever suffered from that? Um, generally, no, mostly just because it may be my bluntness. I mean, so just give you like an example. Um, when I was uh, somewhere in high school, I went to Girl State and Bill Cohen, who was the former Secretary of State and a main senator at one point was speaking. And we were all trained on the fact that when you ask the question, you stand up and you wait till the answers, he gives the answer and then you sit down. So I, I forget what my question was, but I stand up with my question and then he refuses to answer it. Typical politician, he spins something else. And mm -hmm. so I sat back down immediately and he called me out on it in front of everybody. And he's like, young lady, you're so disrespectful. You sat down while I was trying to answer your question. I stood right back up and I said, I felt like I did not get need to be respectful to you because you were disrespectful to me. You didn't answer my question. I sat back down. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> so anyway, um, generally, no, my DNA is like, I, you know, I don't worry about it. However, I did have one moment where, um, again, working with these journal sites, it was my first journal site that I was working with, and they are part of the scholar network. So they said they have Google friends. Well, they have Google scholar friends who don't know as much about Google search. But years later, I can tell you that. But anyway, so I felt like maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. Like, this is crazy. Oh, and by the way, <laughs> I was maybe just venting. The thing he was arguing with me about was 301 redirects on a migration. Mm -hmm. That they weren't necessary. Oh, yeah. Okay, exactly. So... <laughs> <laughs> I went on the search. I was like, I don't know, maybe it's different with journal sites. Can't be, but like, I don't know. Um, so I'm like, who else knows anything about academic journals? Okay, so by the way, so anybody's listening who's ever worked with an academic journal as an SEO, I want to meet you because I've only met three of us total. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, anyway, one of the really well-known ones is Sherry Throw. And mm -hmm. I saw her speak at various search shows. I think she's amazing. I've read her book. Um, and I was like, I, you know, so we were LinkedIn connected from that show. And I thought, I don't know, maybe I'll ask her, right? Because she would definitively know. She also was, mm -hmm. has Google as a client. Um, so she got on the phone with me and she gave me a pep talk. <laughs> anyway, it was, just, it was so great. She was like, she just, you know, you're right. And next time this happens, you should handle it this way and don't let them talk down to you. And it was delightful. Um, so yeah, thank you, Sherry. It was very helpful when you 
gave me that tip back in the day. <laughs> oh, nice. That leads yeah. me very nicely into my next question. Do you have a mentor in the industry or someone who influences how you work? Um, so I miss Bill Swalski, to be mm. honest. So I used yeah. to run the DC search marketing meetups here in town for six years. And Bill was local. He was in Virginia. Um, and I, you know, even before I ran it, I met him at one of the meetups. And it was just so great. I even visited him in California because I wanted to ask him some questions about knowledge panel stuff for NCI. And he took all this time in a coffee shop chatting with me. And um, anyway, so I, I'm, I miss him. I think his stuff, I, you know, followers blog forever. Um, but on the female side, um, I've spoken on panels with Janet Driscoll Miller, who runs uh, Marketing Mojo. And so I definitely put her in one of the you know, sort of my mentor buckets. Um, but probably my biggest mentor, again, is like my boss, Tim Weinheimer, my former boss. Um, right. Just because the soft skill stuff, you know, that I got to practice with him for many years was just has been super helpful. Okay. And have any of them given you any really good advice for your career? Uh, you know, Tim, we had this arrangement because I get very passionate about fixing stuff when I know it's right and it's important to fix it <laughs> and mm -hmm. it's the right thing to do. But that doesn't mean that sometimes you get to do it with a client. <laughs> and so we had this arrangement where I could come into his office, I could vent, and then I would just ask him, should I care about this or not? And he would be like, no, I'm like, fine. And I move <laughs> on. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I guess that kind of stuff was helpful. Somebody actually in one of my... Um, it was like a 360 evaluation. Somebody mentioned that I was kind of like a dog with a bone when it becomes like something that I know really needs to get done. Mm -hmm. So, um, but sometimes I let that go, <laughs> depending on the client. I just let it go. Okay. Like, I know you need to do it, but I just let it go. Cause you know, especially with the fed stuff, it's too political. It's not going to happen. Requires a different contract, whatever. Okay, fine. Right. I've documented okay. it. I've sent you an email about how important it is. I'm moving on. <laughs> And looking back on your career, what advice would you give to your younger self? Yeah. I mean, I guess so that one of the things might be is that I got very frustrated by the fact that I did a lot of extracurricular stuff that almost lost me my grade point average. So all the 4-H stuff was not approved with high school. And so I got I came within a day of losing my grade point average because I was planning the National 4-H conference and going to mm -hmm. National 4-H Congress. The Rainforest Challenge stuff, they did give me credit to leave to do those presentations, but yeah. And then I had a, I literally missed stuff because of those conferences and my, was it chemistry? One of my science teachers refused to sit down with me and actually uh, tutor me on what I missed and instead mm -hmm. forced me to take a test on stuff I had never even seen before. So that wasn't oh. great. <laughs> and then I never got English credit for the curriculum I wrote for the Rainforest Challenge project. So that was frustrating. Um, so I think what I might tell my younger self is it's okay. You go to an undergrad eventually where all that counts <laughs> as it does at Hampshire College. All the extracurricular okay. stuff counts as part of your education. So it's, it's fine. At some point it will count. <laughs> okay. And just one or two last questions. So you launched WO Strategies in 2015. Do you see yourself still doing that five years from now? Probably. Okay. It's a lot of fun. I mean, I know there's, you know, running your own business is also like in theory risky, but um, 
I've always been doing marketing and marketing folks tend to get laid off sometimes. It's happened to me. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, and so in retrospect, it's like, yeah, I could lose a client, but that's only one of however many versus my entire employment. Um, mm -hmm. So in some ways this feels safer. Um, okay. It's certainly a lot of fun generally. Great. And then again, I meet these folks who work at these um, journals and federal websites, for the most part, they're very passionate and they're very smart. They're so mm -hmm. delightfully smart. And so it's really fun to train them on SEO because they get it. It clicks pretty mm -hmm. quickly. Um, and that is a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I don't, I'm probably going to keep doing more of this. Okay. That's great. You found where you want to be. Yeah. Uh, is there anything else you want to add? I always like to ask that question for any people that I interview, any quite, any kind of, I don't know, thoughts or tips or things you think it's important to know for anyone in the SEO community. Um, no, I mean, maybe listen to my podcast. Do you have somebody you want me to talk to? Um, the Digital Marketing Victories podcast, which you can find um, obviously on Twitter and on my website, wostrategies.com. Uh, mm -hmm. just because I think the reason I started the podcast and actually the part of the reason I did the meetup is that the industry is great about having tactical sessions at conferences, um, mm -hmm. and a few strategy sessions, but nobody covers the soft skill part. And it's the mm -hmm. hardest part. It's the hardest part as an SEO, right? You're either supposed to externally convince this client with all these different moving parts and different people managing different things. They all need to coordinate for you to be successful or you're in-house doing the same thing. <laughs> You know, you're like, hey, UX person, hey, developer, hey, content person, hey, promotion person. Let's all work together on this new thing you've never done before. Um, yeah, that's hard. And I don't, anyway, that's why I obsess about it with my podcast, because I just think there's a lot more tactics and resources and ways of thinking about it that would be helpful so that people could be successful. Because it's really, it's really organizational change almost all mm -hmm. the time. I mean, unless you walk into a search first e-commerce shop like Healthline, um, but otherwise it's a lot of organizational change. And I just think that's hard. And I think people who get into SEO don't have, I have the background of taking a class on organizational change, but I don't think mm -hmm. everybody's done that, you know? Right. Um, and I wouldn't say I'm an expert on it. That's why I do the podcast. So I keep listening to other people and <laughs> getting more tips. Um, but I guess that would be the big tip is that realize the soft skills part is a super big part of it and add that to your professional development plan. Great. Those are all my questions for you, Catherine. Thank you so much. I could ask you, quite honestly, like 10 more, but for the sake of time, I'll stop here. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been great getting to chat with you and getting to know a little more about you. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, you're welcome. It was it was great to be on and uh, chat about my career. It was fun. Great. Thank you. That's it for our episode today. Thanks to our listeners. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Catherine. If you did, please don't hesitate to follow us. You can also rate and review the show to help other listeners find us. Thanks again to Catherine, and as always, happy crawling. <laughs>